Our Gospel reading is from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Listen to the Word of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountains to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came over and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent in those days and told no one any of these things they had seen. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, open up our eyes and our hearts that through your word proclaimed, we may encounter you, the living words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Superheroes have been part of the human story, if you would, ever since humans were telling stories. In Greek mythology, the superheroes or the great heroes were usually men who had both had a divine parent and a human parent, and they did mighty deeds, sometimes actually fighting on behalf of and sometimes fighting against the gods. And then in modern history, we kind of have extraordinary. There was a period we had extraordinary men. My dad used to joke about he loved to go watch westerns, you know, before there was they had television. Every Saturday they'd go and watch westerns. And uh, the thing about these cowboys is their guns never ran out of bullets. And they were remarkably accurate with a pistol. I don't know if any of you have ever shot a pistol, but uh, it's not quite that easy. <laughs> But we seem to be back in the day of myth, aren't we? And it seems it's hard to go see a movie that doesn't have a superhero or a comic book character in it. Um, matter of fact, there's, a, there's an interesting new show on Netflix called The Umbrella Academy. I think that's what it's called. All right, and it's really it's it's kind of interesting. All right, I, I don't. It's hard to hook me into a TV show. But the interesting thing about this, and I haven't finished it yet, is that there's these group of folks that were adopted by this rich eccentric man uh, they had kind of a unusual birth we don't quite know yet at least I don't know yet I haven't finished the series and they were raised as a family even though they weren't but it was a very dysfunctional family it's kind of a, a postmodern superhero story and what's interesting each of their superpowers um, causes nothing but suffering in their life matter of fact the supernatural gift they had and their being brought up by a tyrant has caused them to be deeply, deeply flawed and broken human beings. Um, I think these 
this present fascination with superheroes is one part, you know, an extension of the video game culture. All right. So our, our minds are, are conditioned to be having lots of things go on. And of course, the technology behind these movies are pretty remarkable. But I think it's also a sign that um, humanity is uncertain about its destiny and identity. So we have created this world of superhumans, how be them flawed, but somehow they're all working to try to save humanity from some sort of destruction. And the destruction may come from far out there, but we all know that in reality it's a metaphor for humanity's proclivity and maybe future destruction of itself. The Transfiguration may be the strangest story in the Gospels, but it too is about destiny and humanities, about the ultimate identity as it pertains both to human destiny and identity as found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, our text begins like this. Now, about eight days after these sayings, all right, so what were the sayings? We have to go back a little bit. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and you can open them. If you don't have your Bible, you have to trust me, all right? right. Or you could always go check me later, all right? Either way, okay? But right prior to this strange story of the transfiguration, Jesus tells him for the first time, that he is going to go to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. Now, he does mention that he'll be raised again on the third day. But there's something that's remarkably shocking to their system about this idea that he's going to die. And he goes on and says the following, if you want to be my followers, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. You must follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And perhaps one of the most important questions that Jesus ever asked that we all ignore okay, is what profits a person if they gain their whole world but lose their soul. Because we know how the story ends, Jesus' prediction of his death loses its shock value. Now, the disciples would have understood if he said, okay, the struggle in front of us is hard. Some of you are going to have to sacrifice your lives for it. They would have understood that because that's what a revolution requires. But to say that it would permanently lead to death was something they could not hear. But the gravity of what Jesus says he will face what they will face as well, what you and I will face also. You know, this idea of of suffering, it's always in front of us, but somehow we spend a lot of our lives trying to avoid it, okay? And, And I'm not talking about taking medicine to help you get better, okay? All right, all right. I'm happy for modern medicine, all right. Anybody who who complains about the modern world, think about life before antibiotics, all right? But 
this idea that life is a struggle that to be a Christian in this world means that there is a sense of saying no to self to say yes to something bigger that to be a Christian means that we're called to follow not ourselves right not to make this up as we go along but to follow Jesus I'm not saying that's easy to do and I'm not saying that's easy to understand I never bought into what would Jesus do that old because the people around Jesus never knew what he was going to do one of the things that was funny in the gospels Jesus was always doing surprising things okay so I'm, I don't know always what Jesus would do and I don't presume that I could be the interpreter in this world of what Jesus would do but I do know where he would go he would go where people were suffering he would go where people were in need he would come to you and I when we need him the most Lent is a reminder of all these things Lent begins from ashes you came to ashes you return now you may rightly respond saying I don't really need to be reminded of my mortality okay it may be staring you right in the face the question is what are you doing with that reminder before the disciples get to see Jesus in his glory they must embrace that this life is more about the cross than triumph and ironically the point of maybe our worst fears and worst despair our mortality our death is precisely the place where Jesus is most necessary most helpful and most available but Lent reminds us it's not easy following Jesus is not just talking to yourself okay following Jesus is not just about wishing or projecting your own spirituality on whatever you want to do the disciples thought Jesus was the Messiah and they thought that meant one thing Jesus is telling them here no it means that this is not going to end the way you hope it will end so he went up to the mountain to pray again I, this is just an aside and this is something my own personal Lent that I'm going to try to work on more if you notice Jesus spent a lot of time praying and he felt and he needed to go pray okay if Jesus felt the need to pray that much the problem why don't I okay I'm, I'm, in other words I, can, I find it very easy to plan to organize to be strategic very good at doing love to be in motion and Jesus certainly was a person in motion Jesus was certainly a person who accomplished a lot in a day but he felt the necessity to pray for him praying was seemed to be much more important than sleeping and frequently more important than eating because that's not the case for me there's something Jesus knows that I don't that I need to know but anyway while he's praying 
he changes. Now, I should have not called this sermon metamorphosis. Not only because I have trouble spelling the word, all right? But the original story is from Mark's gospel. And the word here is metamorphosis. Okay, he metamorphosized in Greek. Luke doesn't use that word. And, and there's speculation why Luke doesn't use that word. Again, Luke is dependent on Mark's version. Mark's version is the earliest. And Luke probably didn't use the word metamorphosis because it was associated with pagan literature and pagan mythology. Okay? If you remember your pagan mythology stories, okay? and uh, those of you who are Latin students, you read it in, in Ovid's Metamorphosis. All right? But there's all kinds of, the gods are always changing into things, right? The gods sometimes change into flowers, they change into animals, they change people into things, right? It's people, things are always moving from one state to the other. And that's really what the metamorphosis means. Okay, you may know it from the scientific meaning, the way we describe uh, certain insects, the transformations they go through. But it, it really means to change the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one. And I do think the intent of this story is that is what happens to Jesus. One minute he's praying. The carpenter turned preacher from Galilee. And the next minute he is glowing in the dark in ways that words do not permit you to describe. You see, what happens here is that we get a glimpse of who Jesus was and who Jesus will be. One of the most important ideas of Christianity is that Jesus was fully human and he was fully God at the same time. Matter of fact, that's not the most important idea of Christianity. That is the heart of the Christian message. Okay? And this idea of the pre-existence of Christ is really important because one of the things it does is it tells us that God finds the world very important. Okay? The physical world is really important. Um, Richard Rohr says this, Hope cannot be had by the individual if everything is corporately hopeless. It is hard to heal individuals when the whole thing is seen as unhealable. As we are trying to paddle our way out of this whirlpool with a very small paddle, only with the notion of the pre-existing Christ can we recover where this Jesus was coming from and where he is leading us, which is precisely into the bosom of the Trinity, precisely into the heart of God. This story is actually extremely important in the Russian Orthodox and Greek Orthodox tradition, precisely for that reason, because Jesus not only shows us who he is, but he shows us who we will be. And suddenly, two other guys show up, Elijah and Moses. Now, why Elijah and Moses? There could be multiple reasons. There was a Jewish expectation, and it actually shows up in our book of Revelation, that Elijah and Moses would come 
before the end of the world or before the coming of the Messiah. Elijah and Moses had very mysterious deaths. So there was a speculation that they were still hanging around somewhere, okay? And that they would show up before the Messiah would come back. Matter of fact, Luke tells us they were in their glory, which means that they were already in heaven or whatever that would be. Also, Elijah and Moses represents Moses the law, Elijah the prophets. So these are two loaded figures. The interesting thing is, what are they talking to Jesus about? We don't know. Other than they said they were talking about his departure. The Greek word is exodus. They were talking about his exodus. What was his exodus? Not necessarily his death, right? The exodus was not about death. It was about what? Salvation. They're talking about his resurrection. I think Moses and Elijah are telling Jesus, hang in there. Hang in there, man. <laughs> we need you to do this. It's going to be okay. And poor Peter, James, and John. Okay. <laughs> I think it was hard hanging with Jesus. Jesus seemed to be able to go and go. And as we know, this... The, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. They were sleepy. All of a sudden, they are woken with Jesus glowing in the dark and Elijah and Moses beside them. I never, how did they know it was Elijah and Moses? I always went, did they have name tags? I don't know. You know? If, you, if you go to a cathedral, sometimes they put name tags on them, which is helpful, right? So I don't know how they knew it was Elijah, but they did. All right, and that's okay. And again, Peter, I love Peter. It says, because he did not know what to say, here is, if you get nothing else out of this biblical text, when you don't know what to say, don't say nothing. Okay? Right? But Peter, that never stopped Peter. And so Peter's half asleep. He's terrified. He's, you know, he's, he's amazed. And he goes, let's build, three, let's build three tents. Let's just stay here. That's really what he's saying. This is amazing. Let's just stay here. Of course, that's not what's to happen, right? And there shouldn't be three tents anyway. <laughs> Moses and Elijah are important. Only Jesus is essential. I was at a funeral this week. Um, Reverend Becky Platt. And uh, it's interesting. I don't... I, I realize... I don't go to very many funerals that I'm not performing. Okay, and um, Becky, if you don't know Becky, Becky was a um, young pastor. Her and her husband pastored the Stanton Reformed Church. She's a really dynamic soul. I don't even think Becky was 40. She um, died of cancer. Let lose, leaves behind two little girls, um, and uh, her and Phil were a great partner. Great team. She was funny. Uh, she was deeply caring. She was deeply honest. Um, and just a great, great soul. And the sermon, or the, the funeral service, was really <clears throat> about her. She was a musician. Her and Phil are musicians. So the music was fantastic. Including, Becky had put her funeral together. The anthem that was sung when their daughters were baptized... 
They left the church to Takata, the song that Becky and Phil had left out of the church when they were married. And the picture of her as a woman, as a pastor, as a friend, as a mother, her honest humanity, her honest faith that included doubt, the service was filled with all this. And it was a long service. Um, but I, I didn't mind it. Okay. It's not because I love coming, going to church either. I don't particularly like long services. But there was something in me that didn't want it to end. And it dawned on me that the celebration of her life pushed the reality of her death to the corners of my mind. Now, I could do that because I wasn't that close to Becky. There was no way her husband, her family, could pretend that she wasn't dead. But in this service, because it was so beautiful and it was, such a, it was so much about her, and she was so alive in that service, you know, you just wanted it to go on. But it, it couldn't, right? It came to an end, and her earthly remains were wheeled out of the sanctuary. We can't stay here. All of life is a line segment. Now, that comes in handy during the sad days and the days of pain. They don't always last forever. But it also is true about the anguish of loss, the moments we long for, the people we long for, that we can never get back. But the transfiguration tells us that there's more to Jesus than what we see. And the faith affirms that there is more to us than what is happening now. We are not X-Men or Wonder Woman, but because of Christ, we are immortals. The transfiguration shows who Jesus was before the incarnation and after the resurrection. And because of what Jesus gave up in the incarnation and was given in the resurrection, it shows us who we will be. Be. This supper is a foreshadowing of the time when time itself will be no more. But we will be with him forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Let us stand together and proclaim what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed.